This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to get the chance to talk about both leadership and healthcare with two phenomenal leaders. We're joined by Helen Figge. Helen is the Chief Strategy Officer at Medica Soft. We've also got Monica Nierengarten. Monica is the, the Magnificent Chief Operating Officer at Alina Health Aetna. Let's talk about leadership. We'll talk about healthcare. We'll talk about a little bit more. Helen, can you take a moment? We'll start with asking each of you to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourselves. Helen, can you take a moment to tell us just a bit about yourself and a bit about MedicaSoft? And then Monica will ask you to do the same. Helen? Well, thanks, Scott. I'm very honored to be interviewed by Becker's, which is an industry name in healthcare information. And I'm absolutely looking forward to chatting with Monica and listening to her insights. So I am the Chief Strategy Officer for MedicaSoft. Um, a health information technology company specializing in fire-based standards. And I have served in three Fortune companies and nonprofit organizations with consulting and guiding startup um, IT entities in various successful markets. And I currently serve on the National Association Health Data Organization Board and the board of I Am Beautiful, which helps to empower young girls and am president-elect of the Hims New York State chapter. I am also the executive residence for the School of Health Business at Mass College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences in Boston, where I teach and mentor. Excited to be here. Just, just magnificent. Involved so many things. We'll talk about that and such a leader. Monica, can I ask you to take a moment to introduce yourself and also tell us just a bit about Alina Health Aetna? Sure. Thanks, Scott. And I'm really excited as well to be here speaking with you and Helen about some uh, pretty exciting topics. Um, so my name is Monica Nierengarten. I'm the COO of Alina Health Aetna, which is one of the newest health insurance companies that's headquartered in the Twin Cities. Um, we are co-owned by Alina Health, one of uh, Minnesota's largest hospital systems, and Aetna, one of the nation's largest health insurers. Um, to offer Medicare and commercial products to Minnesotans. Prior to this role, I've spent my entire career on the payer side, working for carriers like Humana, Prime Therapeutics, Aetna, and CBS in a wide variety of sales, account management, product, and strategy roles. Good to be here today. Monica, thank you. I'll start with you on this question, and I'll start with Helen on the next question, just to, just so we switch, you know, we'll switch the, the batting order a little bit. Talk to us a little bit about, you've had a great leadership career, and, and through, through that, you've been able to keep yourself involved as a leader in a number of activities. How do you prioritize time? How do you balance life you know, with, with great leadership and the things that you do? Chief Operating Officer at a new insurance company that's backed by two magnificent organizations. I mean, it's a big, big role. What are some of the tips you have for younger other leaders on prioritizing time and keeping balance? Yeah. So, Scott, I love the question. I understand the spirit of the question, but I guess my first tip is don't subscribe to finding balance because that implies you're giving work in your personal life equal effort and time. And at least for me, and I'd love to hear this from Helen, is that really happens consistently for me. And I think it really puts a lot of unfair pressure on yourself and other women. I think that it really boils down to prioritization, organization, being unafraid to ask for help, um, and taking care of yourself. So I'll talk a little bit more about those things. So women really have a tendency to take on a disproportionate share of home and family work. 
And women need to stop thinking that by wanting both a successful professional life and fulfilling personal life means that they have to do everything on their own, on their terms. Um, I think it's important to treat your partner as an equal and empower them to do their part. Don't just delegate household responsibilities or shield them from taking something on because you want to control how things get done. Be clear with your partner by prioritizing and organizing commitments together. So for me and my husband, um, he works a lot. So he travels and is on the road at least one to two nights every week. And two ways that we really manage our personal commitment is we share a calendar on our iPhone. And that helps us track when he's traveling, when I have important meetings that he shouldn't schedule travel to help limit schedule conflicts. And we also use it to manage our kids' school activities so we know who is taking which kid where. We also use about 10 to 15 minutes on a Sunday evening to go over our week and ensure that we're both in sync on what's to come and how we'll work together to tackle it. It's not perfect. We definitely hit some stumbling blocks, but it really works for us. And we found that if we don't do this, you know, we tend to stumble a little bit more. Um, the next tip that I'd really share is pulling from Cheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, and it's something that I initially read with her and then heard a lot more female leaders speak about, and that's don't be afraid to ask for help. Whether it's at work or in your personal life, seeking help is okay and not a sign of weakness. So in our household, we pay for a cleaning service. We su subscribe to a food delivery service like HelloFresh. I mostly get my groceries by ordering them online and picking them up um, to help us use the time that we wouldn't have, that we would have spent on that doing other things that are, that benefits our family or helps better manage our time. Um, I've also built a pretty amazing network of friends and neighbors who are also working parents that trade off carpools and play dates. So not only does it really help me, but the kids really love sort of spending time with their friends and their families as well. And then lastly, Scott, I think it's really important to take time for yourself and make time for you. The list of things that we do every day can be overwhelming and sometimes you won't do it all or you feel like you've rushed and you haven't been successful and you didn't get the results you wanted. That is okay. It's all going to work out. There's always going to be a list. Let go of that feeling of how you weren't good enough or that you're letting something or someone down. Tomorrow's a new day to try again. And so after you've spent your day or week really thinking about everyone and everything besides yourself, make time for you, whatever that is that brings you joy. Working from home has given me more flexibility to go on an extra walk with a dog, to listen to an audiobook or a podcast while I do that. In the evening or the weekend, I'll book a massage or a pedicure or an evening out with friends. And I think doing those things for yourself um, and treating yourself well are really important. Thank you very much. Some some great, great thoughts. Just this, this concept of it's not so much time balance as it's a blend and it's up and down and it's prioritizing and taking care of oneself. And you, you have some specific tips about managing the home life of joint calendars and going over them together and, and not being afraid to ask for help. And, and this concept of taking care of oneself physically and mentally is so, so important for everyone and, and such great advice. Monica, thank you. Helen, let me ask you to weigh in on the same question. How do you maintain sort of balance or prioritize time? And, and as a leader, I mean, you do so much, you've got so much energy. How do you make this all work? 
Well, Monica um, had some great tips there, so I'm going to take it from another angle. And I am really fixated on giving back. I gravitate towards people, positive people who walk the walk versus just talk the walk. And that really gives me a lot of empowerment. And from a professional perspective, I think the key is to really focus on what you think of as low-hanging fruit and get that like out of your way, both in thought and processes. And then you can focus on things that need more attention. So you know, oftentimes we see individuals working on several key projects, several key initiatives, because maybe the work shortage, maybe people are off um, and that you need coverage. So in reality, the time needed for some projects at work may take a bit more time and thought for their total success of that project. And projects are delayed or time lagged because they may not be done because you haven't done your part. And it sort of like um, continues a domino effect. So if you can do a task right the first time and pass it on to the next in line for their talents, then you keep the workflow moving as well to avoid bottlenecking and interfering with other people's accomplishments. So from a professional perspective, I always like to see like, okay, what can I get out of the way fast and, and do that efficiently? and then concentrate my efforts on something that's more cumbersome, complex. And once you do that in thought process, sort of like where's the weak link and fix it, then you can uh, accomplish, I think, more things given this unique work environment we have. But I really try to gravitate to people that always say the glass is half full. And that just gives me the energy and I am so grateful for all the great people that I've met in my life that I always want to give back. It's an hour a week, an hour a month, somewhere. Um, and you build great uh, rewards within and you create people that you can mentor and you've done good for the world. And that's what I think is important. So, so Helen, some some great great thoughts here, and and there's there's so many of them to pull out. But surrounding yourself and being around positive people, I, I, I remember a hundred years ago, one of my siblings saying, "You're complaining too much, Scott." And it was very helpful for me to get a mindset of that's just not a good way to be. And people want to be around positive people, and it's a fascinating piece of advice. And, and this concept of you know, there's all these management books, these time management books that say you know, oh, focus on the big, big, important goal today, and that's all you should focus on. And the point that you make of taking care of small tasks is so important to free yourself up for bigger things and for building confidence and, and, and being, you know, uh, an effective everyday person. And so to, to, to not discount this concept of taking care of important small tasks constantly to get stuff done so you can move on to big, cumbersome, or challenging projects. I actually love that advice. And it, and it so, you know, it so resonates with people because people need to do some of that. They need to do that to, to feel like they're making progress. I, I think just great advice. And then this concept of giving back. That, you're, no, continue, Scott. I just wanted to add, you know, it, it feeds into the thousand paper cut um, model where you're bleeding from a thousand paper cuts and people get more anxious with the smaller minutiae. Get rid of it faster on your plate. We're a big fan. And the concept of constantly giving back, you're one of the best at this. So I appreciate your thoughts there as well. 
Helen, let me turn back to you and then we'll talk to Monica. In terms of healthcare and what you see in the future and what you're excited about today, talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing on the healthcare side, trends, and what you're most excited about. Well, that's a great question. I think healthcare at the end of the day is all about the data, pre-unadulterated data, regardless of where it's coming from, because everyone is collecting something somewhere. Um, and healthcare decisions have always been based on facts accumulated from the data. And that yields, you know, like results and therapeutics and best practices. So sometimes we are seeing emotions commingled with the data. And that oftentimes skews results. So I'm really excited that there are opportunities to gather, you know, gather data in place with the fire standards that are needed on platforms and be able to ask the data set questions to really get to the best therapeutic uh, approaches to illness. So um, while we're collecting a lot of data out there, we need it to now be meaningful versus just having data lakes that people fish out of. And I think this pandemic has found us in that quandary where where's the data? What's the data? How do we use this data? So I'm excited that I think we're you know turning the corner and people are getting back to the business of the healthcare data, what it means, what we can use it for effectively, and how can we make people healthier and wiser about their health status. Fantastic. And actionable data, useful data, so important. And, and, and take one moment, Helen, on what MedicaSoft does, just so the audience has a better understanding of that too. Well, MedicaSoft um, prides itself on a cloud-based fire standards um, platform. We have a patient portal. We have uh, nationally recognized clients like the Delaware Health Information Exchange that really worked with the COVID pandemic and um, Vital up in Vermont, who is gathering all data. So at the end of the day, MedicaSoft really wants to be known as being able to handle the data effectively, efficiently, and creating best use cases to really support healthcare. And I'll keep it at that high level because healthcare really always evolves and you have to be ahead of the curve versus as uh, one would say, looking in your rear view mirror to see what you're driving over. Thank you very, very much. And I'm very familiar with Dell Health Information Network as we've had them on the podcast several times and know some of the leaders over the years and a great, great organization. Monica, talk to us about what you're seeing. I mean, you're this fabulous mix of sort of a provider organization that is also partnered now with the health insurer and, and sort of the fascinating mix. What are some of the trends you're watching and what does a little bit of the future look like in healthcare? Sure. So, Scott, I'll talk about what I think I'm most excited about, and that is that healthcare is becoming more focused on the consumer and more personalized. And we're seeing that both from the insurer, but also the provider side. So we're seeing a ton of startups and private equity money behind innovation and point solutions that are disrupting healthcare. Some of those vendors could be like Hinge, uh, which we may, may have seen their commercials um, on TV where they are disrupting the brick and mortar physical therapy industry by sending sensors that patients can wear at home that transmits then to a computer and they're able to do their therapy from home while a therapist sort of watches and guides their movements. Um, 98.6, which is 
of just all texting solution um, for members to use for their uh, telehealth therapy. There's a lot of kidney care disruption in the market, and there's a lot of virtual uh, mental health solutions and coming into the market as well. So we're a member of an organization that acts like a startup dating app, as funny as that sounds. So a bunch of startups get connected to this organization called HPIR, and then they have larger health plans and or providers that are members, and they sort of get us connected to get to know each other and decide if there are partnership opportunities. So that's that's super exciting and fun to work on that type of work where we're ideating or borrowing solutions from other um, organizations to benefit our members. There's also been some healthcare regulations that have come out that support um, affordability and sort of transparency around costs, which we know is a, a pain point for everybody. So that's really around the surprise billing ban and also just having providers, insurers give more transparency around their costs even after the contracted amounts. So I'm really thinking about how can we leverage that to our members' benefit. And then lastly, there's a lot of omni-channel experience happening where our members not only are walking into clinics to receive care, but they're also able to get care through telemedicine, through their phone, through texting, like I had mentioned. So members are really getting empowered to engage with healthcare the way that is best for them. And that's exciting. And there's two more topics that I want to talk about. One is um, the primary care model is really changing. So we're seeing um, companies like ChenMed, Iora Health, United and Humana really investing into primary care and um, building their own primary care centers that are separate from hospital systems. Um, we're also seeing retailers like CVS really invest in PCPs. So going to your typical traditional hospital setting, um, that is really changing and I think becoming more convenient. And then lastly, Scott, I'll just touch on a, on a local Minnesota level is we're seeing the market really evolve and change here. It's been a unique market and that's, it's not your typical BUCA market and BUCA standing for Blue Cross Blue Shield, United Cigna Anthem. We have had these legacy homegrown insurance companies like Medica Health Partners and UCARE due to Minnesota's longstanding ban on for-profit insurers. And that all changed about five years ago and the state lifted the ban to create more competition and it signaled entrants like ourselves, United and Humana to come into this market. So our competitors are changing, their products and networks are changing. Reactions by our provider community to those new entrants is really interesting. Um, new alliances being created between those insurers and providers are changing. And so we're really watching that from a competitive standpoint. Monica, that's just a fascinating list. It, it, it's um, this evolution of the insurance market in Minnesota. I was not aware that they had a ban on for-profit insurance until several years ago, and now this evolution of that market is fascinating. With this concept of the company called 98.6, the thing I marvel about the most is that that name was still available when they got into business as a startup. What a great name for a healthcare company, I, yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you talked about the PCP models, and that's fascinating. I mean, just announced, I think, yesterday, the day before, is Walgreens making a massive investment in Village MD, which is yeah. intended to fit out a ton of the Walgreens with primary care locations and so forth. 
mm-hmm. you know, payers and CVS and Walmart and Walgreens and so forth. So Walgreens making that investment. You mentioned virtual mental health care and what a huge need there is for that. I mean, just a, a huge need for mental health and behavioral health. And you also mentioned the Hinge PT, and that's fascinating. And uh, transparency and where that's going. I mean, there's been a lot of pushback on the government regulations on it, um, but probably some transparency and is probably a healthy, healthy thing as people get a better sense of their own health care costs and so forth. Um, Monica and Helen, what a magnificent discussion with you about, with the two of you, about leadership, about management of one's lives and businesses, about health care. Any closing thoughts for the listeners? And Monica, let me start there. If you have anything that you wanted to end with or encouragement for leaders and in, in people in healthcare, any thoughts? And then Helen, I'll turn to you. Sure. Yeah. If I could reiterate anything from today, it's don't put too much stock in the word balance and don't put, uh, don't be too hard or critical on yourself, feeling satisfied by all you've accomplished or accepting that you're successful at juggling everything is achievable. I absolutely love that. And Helen, let me turn to you for any closing thoughts from yourself. You know, there's no replacement, I think, for the human um, human touch. And never before in, in the world have we had more technology in use. So data is being collected everywhere, but hasn't really helped us um, as it should. And, you know, I'm hoping in 2022 we get back to the business of preventive health well-being, you know, intervening on diseases that are manageable and curable. Many women miss mammograms due to the pandemic, for instance, that could have caught a cancer maybe early on. And I also want to see more attention placed on, you know, the current lifestyle activities that we're seeing, the vaping, the opioid use to intervene at earlier stages to really avoid long-term consequences if left, you know, unchecked. So, I think at the end of the day, health is our individual wealth, and we have to get back to healthy living, age independent. It doesn't matter if you're 60 or 30 or 15, um, taking care of ourselves because we spend so much money on fixing ourselves. Let's get to the point of, you know, getting ourselves even healthier and not go down those roads that we have to uh you know, um, tar and paper to get back to where we should be. So that's where I think we need to be and we're going, hopefully. Helen, thank you so much. And, and some of that resonates just so well, or all of it resonates so well with this concept of health as well. It, it's so funny. It's, it's one of these phrases that, you know, that almost goes with youth, youth is wasting on the young. When I was younger, I don't think I understood it as well as I do as I'm older. And so this is a special <laughs> shout out for others to listen to what Helen is saying, because this health is wealth is the most true statement you'll ever have. Make it a habit early. And I know our, so many people that we work with do to take care of your physical and mental health starting early. You're just in much better shape as you get older. And it's a, it's one of those phrases that's, that's, it, it, we all sort of like take for granted health as wealth. And until you're in your ex age or maybe younger, if you appreciate it smart, more smarter than I do did, you really appreciate that concept as you get older. There's nothing more important than one's health, physical and mental health. There's this concept that you speak about, this concept that Monica speaks about is let yourself off the hook, breathe. It's okay. Yeah. You're, what you're doing mm-hmm. is enough. You don't have to be Superman. You don't have to be Superwoman. What you're doing is good is I think a wonderful comment. And I love this concept of, you know, all of us are obsessed about ticking things off our list and it's okay. It's 
part of how you build confidence in, in a thousand cuts is avoiding those thousand cuts by taking care of some things, even if not everything's a big challenging thing that's got to be taken care of. Sometimes there are small things that have to be taken care of, and it's okay to do that and feel good about it and not listen to the time management experts to tell you, oh, you can't do that. You have to only concentrate on the big thing. Helen and Monica, I, I, I love this conversation. I can't tell you much. I appreciate your thoughts and your wisdom. Thank you both so much for joining us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast today. Again, Monica is the chief operating officer at the Alina Health Aetna Joint Venture uh, Insurance Company, just fantastic. And Helen's the chief strategy officer at Medicasoft, also fantastic. Thank both of you magnificent leaders for joining us today.